Thanks for sharing that, Kevin. That was just really fitting. You know, 30 years ago when I was youth minister here, um, afterwards, I mentioned this before, um, just sec, my... I found a cassette tape, which you kids, if you don't know what that is, somebody will explain it to you. But I found a cassette tape, then I had to find a cassette player to play the tape. Just like some of you with CDs now, you got to find a CD player to play the CDs because my car doesn't even have one. Not because, anyway, it was of the service when we left as youth ministers to go to seminary. And as I was listening through it, and I was listening, not being narcissistic, but when I heard some statements that I made on the tape, one of the statements I said 30 years ago is church is family. I think that's biblically how we need to see church. And that's what it is. Now, if any of you think, well, which all of us are family here, so we've all been touched by Jim and Marilyn in one way or another. I'm not going to try to do a funeral sermon today, but it's interesting that the sermon I'm talking about today really, Holy Spirit-wise, deals with what's going on. And I wrote this sermon before we even knew about Jim, so we're going to give this to the Holy Spirit. But if any of you were to die, I think I would feel the same way, not because I'm pastor and I'm supposed to, but church is family. And when one family member rejoices, another family member rejoices. When one family member hurts, another family member hurts. And this is why I know some of you struggle with family members not seeing that as church is important. I'm just going to be straight, talking to the audience, not that people be watching that out there anyway, but here's the deal. Hebrews is clear, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together, even more as you see the day approaching. We need to one-on-one -on -one reach people, not specifically for Bass Chapel, but for God's kingdom. And if they don't have a local family, because we're grieving and we're hurting, but we have hope. And we have support every week. And so this is the double-edged sword of church being family. It's the fact of when one family member goes on to a better place, it hurts. So I know we're all uh, grieving today. And so that's just that silver lining. We're going to go to, we're going to be in the same place. I don't know if the mic's going weird, but it's freaking me out up here. Not really. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting some, that's the old sound person in me, but thanks. We're going to be going to 1 Kings chapter 17, and we, we talked about God is enough. And we talked, uh, I shared last week about this, that section of scripture has guided me that God gives me enough for the day. And we talk about give us this day our daily bread. But we're going to go on down in that next part of this, of, of this biblical story because there's some things that bother me. Here you have a widow that is lost that God's man is told to come to her and to ask her during a, a famine, give me the food you have first, put God first. And she does that. And every day she goes to the oil and the, and the flour and there's enough. It's replenished. How could she not believe in God? But once you understand, you know, I keep asking you who's your one and little as much where God is involved, if we're going to grow the family of God internationally, and if we're going to grow the family of God as far as it is Bass Chapel, everybody here has a one. And you need to identify that one 
and you need to be sensitive to God's Spirit. But there are so many, when you were lost, and when you didn't know about God, He was replenishing the oil, and He was replenishing the flour in one way or another, and you needed that person of God to say, this is who this is from. Just the blessing of life every day. Of health. If God's hand was not on creation, we would cease to exist. And so, it bothered me. Why did she not get it? But this is where you were when you were lost. This is where I was when I was lost. And this is where our world is. God's hand is replenishing. So why didn't she fully believe? She didn't fully believe because she was lost, because she was blind, and because she was dead. Spiritually. To her sins. She needed to be brought back to life. And so the lost can't see it, and we kind of struggle to continue to see it sometimes because we get distracted. We get distracted with our grief. We get distracted in whatever's in front of us. And we can't see life because we're surrounded by death. I'm not even talking about what happened with Jim. I'm talking about this world is dying. If you live long enough, you're going to die. Everything is decaying. And so, so many times we struggle to see life. And you need to choose to seek, and sometimes we seek dead things. We don't seek that they're, see, see that they're dead, and especially the lost. Well, this is going to make my life better. Or this is going to extend my life. And some of those things are great, and, and, and you should take care of yourself. But that's what the lost are doing. They're seeking dead things. That's what we do sometimes. We seek dead things. Or seek life. Your action step today, seek life in Christ. And your points are going to spell out the word seek. But seek life in Christ. And so you see this process in the widow on her way to, to see life and to see real life. And you see this in 1 Kings 17, verses 17 through 24. And in your fill-in, I'm going to give you your first step. The first step of seeking life in Christ is when we have to... Uh, is is we have to see Christ is life. John 14, 6 says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Well, I mean, he says that on in John, but John 14, 6, Jesus said his words, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. You need to memorize that verse. Because they need not argue with you. They need to wrestle with what Jesus is saying. Muhammad, Confucius, all the others did not say that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we like to end there, but he also completed, no man comes to the Father but through me. So if you don't see Christ as life and the only source of life, God creates life, God takes life, and God regenerates life. Christ is life. So let's look at the situation in verse 17 of chapter 17 of 1 Kings. After this, the son of, son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. The widow, already familiar with death because she was a widow, she was poor. And, you know, um, then it was during a time of famine. And she had a foreign border that she was having to give part of her share to and it was her only son and he dies and we're going to see Elijah's response here in a moment 
But as a believer, if that was me, God, what are you doing here? I want her to come to Christ. I've got my one that, I, that, that I'm trying to reach out. Just one pastor? Well, we all have people want to reach out to. I'm going to be open to anybody else, but I have my one there. It's like I don't know, I don't like where they're at right now. But one of my accountability partners, when I was talking about something else, said, well, how big is your God? Because even though I don't like where they're at, and I don't think it's going to help them, can't God get there? Can't God put people in place to help bring them to life? Yes. So let's see this lifeless response that the widow gives in verse 18. She said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause, death, cause the death of my son. Cause and effect is a bad theology. I want us to understand sowing and reaping. You do some things, yes, there are going to be results. Sometimes you don't get those results. You know, God designed us for uh, one physical and spiritual relationship in marriage, a man with a woman for a lifetime. God's grace can be there. But uh, our, our bodies are really only designed to handle certain things. And so we see when we go out of God's design that we can pay for our sins of going outside, what we sow, what we reap. It may be through addiction. It may be through anything. And God's grace can be there. God can heal. But we need to understand most of the time what we sow, we'll reap. But that's not what's happening here. Because Proverbs says the same rain falls on the just and the unjust. And we live in a fallen world where sin reigns. And we have a sin nature, even though we're saved, that we will struggle with till we're made right with God. And Jim doesn't have to struggle with that anymore. But she automatically went to, because of what I've done in the past, I'm paying for this. And we do this a lot, and this is bad theology. If you've done something and there is a sowing process and a reaping, yes, you could be sowing for something directly you did. But this is not what's happening here. Same rain falls on the just and the unjust. That means that good people can suffer, not because of what they did. And so, this, this is that bad theology. We live in a fallen world. Sins, the same reign, same God who gives life and takes life. Why? Look at the living response in verse 19. This is Elijah. He said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and he laid him on his own bed. So he took action. He engaged where she was at. See, this is where it gets really sketchy for us because life is messy. And most of the time now, especially how crazy our culture is, we want to get in our own little Christian bubble and we want to step back as far back as we can from the blast zone and I was going to say, well, it stinks to be you. I'm glad it's not me. Oh, pastor, we don't say that, but in our actions we may. Life is messy. People, relationships are messy. And I'm not saying get involved in everything. But when you're there and the Holy Spirit impresses you, you as a believer have got to make a, a decision whether God is telling you to take action. And what I find more than not in James 1.22, he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. And that's the problem is so many times I believe this, but Proverbs, a verse I'm relearning, 28, and I don't have the last part of it, but it talks about confessing 
But you can confess you, you sinned in an area, but you've got to forsake it. And so, so many times we deal with the sin of God. We know the right thing to do, but we don't do it. And he says clearly in James, that sin. Elijah could have been like, well, it's been a good run. Still got the wool and still got the uh, flour. And so, I'm sorry that he died, but what does that have to do with me? And boy, the devil, Christian, wants you to be like that. But what are you saving your life for? Why are we still here? And I, and I like to save, or I like to put things uh, back or, that are special to me. And then I then get to a point, it's like, just go for it and use it. I'm not talking about money necessarily, I'm just talking about things that have been special to me. You know, some of you, I know it's not generational now, but china and silverware, get it out and put a slab of meatloaf on it and invite me over and we'll go for it. You know, that kind of thing. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we, we need to enjoy life now. But that also is the action here. We're, I, I can't do that. I might, I might get hurt. And God tells us to be wise, but guys, all the time we have these widows and we have people that are in, in, in dead things that we need to take action. Because we have the words of life. And so many times we're being observers. Seeking life in Christ means, your next point, engage the dead. Go into the world and speak life. Matthew 28, 19, 20 tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Making disciples. Go into the world and reflect real life with, uh, with your life. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How are they going to see life if you're not around? How are they going to see uh, light if you're not around, did not say perfection. Again, I'm not preaching a, you know, a funeral sermon today. Whoever it is, I'll never say you're perfect. And I know I'm not perfect. And I'm a sinner saved by grace just like Jim was. But there was something going on in his life that he's touched all of us one way or another. Jesus Christ in him and the power and obedience and the action. But so many times, oh, that, that situation's messy. I don't know. It's not just when I go fishing, okay? But when I go fishing, God just puts some crazy people next to me. Now, I did good this time with this one guy, but he was driving me nuts. He, he was like, oh, what, what's it when kids are really hyper? Uh, yeah, what, I know the term, and I can't think of, it, think of it right now. And they give them Ritalin for it, you know? Yeah, all right, here we go. Well, he's, he's an ADHE fly fisherman. And he's in my spot. I got my friend with him. He's not obeying the rules of politeness in fishing. It's like, I'm going to stand here. So, and even if I'm putting my bait on, therefore, you do not get my way. But all the time, I'm standing in my spot so he nobody takes it. Oh, 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 you know, that kind of thing. I couldn't tell if he was mad, happy. Dry. I don't know what was going on there. Okay, what do I have to say with that? Well, everything in me wants to, and I was a little mad. And I told my friend that was with, with me, I'm glad he's gone, <laughs> you know, okay, all right? But he's driving me nuts. I, fishing's supposed to be relaxing. He's getting me all tensed up. It's like, you know, whatever. But that's how we are with the lost. 
you're making me uncomfortable, so therefore, I'm going to only be on Facebook that are people that are like-minded and speak the like-minded things. You make me uncomfortable, so I'm going to stay far away from it. And guys, we need to be in the world and not of the world, but how are the dead going to come back to life if we don't engage them? Why are we still here? Really, if we're going to heaven and there's going to, it's all going to be good and everything's going to be right, why are we still here? Because the only reason is because we are to speak life and we are to engage the dead. I'm talking more spiritually dead, obviously. But Elijah did that. He did it physically and he's doing it spiritually. We engage the dead with our witness of life, but also engaging, uh, by also engaging God. Look at verses 20 and 21. And he cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? And then he stretched himself over the child three times and cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. So he cried out, he called to God, the source of life, and, and, but why? And he questioned, he got real with God, why? But we always get afraid to ask, isn't God big enough to handle your doubts and your questions? This is Elijah. This is the prophet's prophet. He's on the top tier, especially for the Jewish people. This was the prophet. And he was an imperfect man that's like, what are you doing here, God? You provided for us and showed us that you're enough, but what happens when God's enough, but you've had enough? I want you to think about that. We're kind of all in a dull thing about Jim, but... Let's go back to Jim wasn't just somebody that attended church. We've all known him, and he was an active part of making sure he got to know people. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be like, huh, I miss Jim. Our men's Bible study. I mean, it's like, there's Jim. Just like the other guys that feel the same way. But that's intersecting in life. And we can ask those questions. You need to get real with God. He's big enough to handle it. And Elijah's like, this is going good. Why? Don't be afraid to do that. I mean, Elijah was doing it. What? It's going good. You're providing for us. Why? Because I want you to understand this. What is God's ultimate goal? That the dead come to life. I go back to my one. I would never choose for them to be in the place that they're at, but how big is my God? And what can he do to bring them towards life? He questions him, but then, but then uh, he goes on to action. We are not going to always understand, and we need to go with God and get real with God. In other words, I, you tell God, I don't understand it, but guess what? I'm going with you. He continued to physically care. He switched from uh, knowledge to petition. Uh, so he's, first of all, he's praying to God, why? And then he petitions God for the boy to bring him back to life. That's what we need to be doing, praying for the lost. You're one. And the people that comes across to you, God, put people of faith in their path. Help them to understand. And if you're that person of faith, you need to be, God, give me the words and speak to them and, and, and wisdom and discern. So let's look at the result. Let's look at God's result in verse 22. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Is it always going to happen that way? No. 
But God was trying to do something to bring this widow to true life. And we're going to see what happens here. The Lord, the source of life, listened and heard Elijah's voice, and life came back. The source of life hears our cries and brings life. Your next point, if we're going to continue to seek life and Christ, we have to enter into prayer. Haven't figured this out. I mean, I'm not saying I don't pray, okay? But how to help you and this to be in our church's DNA. And I'm always two steps forward and one step back. We're going to hit this because I go back to little as much. We, regardless of what size church we are, prayer needs to be solid DNA in what we do. It's, the devil doesn't want us to be comfortable with it because it's one of the major tools in our arsenal. And let's think about this for a minute. You know, um, we, uh, it, again, we need to enter into prayer. You know, uh, it, we, it, we can handle living right, but James 5.16 says, The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So for following God, we need to be talking to God continually. We need to go, Hebrews 4.16, Go boldly before the throne of grace that you may receive grace and mercy in your time of need. So many times I can't talk to God. Yeah, you can. And you can be honest with God. And I tell you, it's taken me years to, to... I'm not against people that do flowery prayers. I think I'm not... It's taken me years to get over these things of when I pray, I'm not praying for other people to hear me, which I still have to guard that. And then I just need to be honest with God. And, and one of the things that really helped me was uh, the book, The Purpose Driven Life, when it had a chapter talking about a monk that he did sentence prayers all through the day. And that's helped me just talk to God and be honest with God whenever it's going on. I try to make it too much into a ritual and something natural. And you need to think about how you would talk to a good friend. And, we need, and I'm going to help you and we need to get comfortable with this. But we need to go bold. I'm asking the question, God, this church has been here for this long. It's got do, good DNA. It's between two towns out in the country. And we don't care about the size, but what do you want to do with, with these people for the kingdom that are ready to storm the gates of hell? That's the question I'm, ask, I'm going to be asking God and been trying to ask God, but I'm going to be more focused on it. What do you want us to do here for the gospel? Let's get bold. And we need to go often, according to Ephesians 6.18, to pray in season and out of season for everyone. I'm... I'm, I'm abbreviating that, but uh, you can go to that and see that in Ephesians 6.18, right after he says, put on the armor of God, he says prayer needs to be continual. So if I had to get over my stigmatism on prayer, you're just talking to God. Get used to it. It's awkward. Get part of the DNA. But we need to enter into prayer. Why? Because we can change the heart of God. We can change the mind of God. You see it over and over in the Bible. And I know things of God are set. And he's not going to let you get into things that aren't holy. And he still might say, I know better, and therefore I'm not going to answer that prayer. And we need to uh, have a peace with that. But over and over, we have the power through Jesus Christ to go to the source of life and to petition him. Why are we not tapping into the power of prayer? Why are we not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit? Let's see the result, the widow's response to life. 
verses 23 and 24. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord in your, the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. This is the verse. I'm reading through the Bible, and I've never done this in all ministry because I don't think my Bible reading should be, my devotion reading should be my Bible reading, but I've always marked things that stuck out to me that might be a good sermon. And we're doing that this year, but this is what bothered me. Why did she not believe when she's getting oil and flour every day? Because people, and especially us as believers that have the words of life, are not pointing to God as the source of life. If the lost, the lost can't see, the very air they breathe is, is from God. The very mind that they have and the free will they have is from God. And you've got to help them understand. You've got to go for them to know. And so that bothered me. Verse 24, it's like, why did you not get it? But so many times we forgot as lost people that we didn't get it. I want you to think back who helped you get it. For me, it was people in the church, but my mom... My mom praying in the night for her kids. My mom taking us to church every, every, every week so that we could hear the words of life and see the words of life. And my, and my dad living out those principles and neither one of them are perfect. But that may not be your story. But there's somebody somewhere, somehow, that they spoke life to you. Who are you speaking life to? So he took, he took the boy, he showed her, and he told her where this came from. And when God, when God uh, life shows up, we need to speak and show real life, and we need to point to Christ. This is the problem. Every good and perfect gift comes from God above. But how many times are we giving God the glory? How many times are we pointing to life with the lost? How many times when the Holy Spirit leads you, that you're not going all the way and saying, look, no, you're not okay. And I wasn't okay. And this is what I believe, and this is where I was headed, and this is where you're headed, but there's life. Have you chosen that? Elijah's showing, and notice the response. Now I know, I understand, the man of God, the servant, the witness of real life, and I believe him, I also believe the word of God is true, faithful, established. Now I know real life. The goal, your, last, uh, your last one there, the goal of seeking life in Christ is to know real life. To know Christ. John 11.25 says this. Jesus said to her, he's talking to uh, Martha. He asked her, do you believe? And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. I do not like it all that Jim is gone. But I have a peace. And now Jim has the fulfillment of the resurrection. We're holding on to the promise of life. Christ is life. 
I'm not going to assume any, everybody here knows Jesus. They may know him. But I'm not going to assume everybody here has realized that they are dead and that they need to move from death to life through belief that Jesus died for their sins, rose from the dead, admitting their sins, believing he died for them, and accepting him in, his life as, in their lives as Savior and Lord. If you don't have that today, we're going to have an invitation here in a few moments. I encourage you to come talk to me. Do not leave here because you are going to hell. I was headed to hell. That is a dead place with dead people that are alive in pain forever. Designed for Satan and his angels. Not for you, but in your free will, if you choose not to choose life, Jesus Christ, that's where you're going. What did Jesus say here? He said to her, I am the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. You can move from death to life today. But I think most of us today have done that. But if you looked at your life this past week, how many times have you spoke life or you spoke death? Well, Pastor, what do you mean? Where you were where you were burdened down by the world and you went to the world's solutions in your speech and in your actions, what you did or what you did not do, how much have you reflected the life that is in Jesus Christ, the hope that is in Jesus Christ? Because we're walking through a dead world and we're walking through people that are dead spiritually and you have the light and light and, and, and you are salt and are they tasting according to Psalms 34, 8? It says this, taste and see for the Lord is good. How blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Are they tasting God in your life? Are they tasting life in you or death? And if they're not, why? You can use this altar today. You can, you can come forward and, 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 and surrender that to God. Now let's go to prayer. I'm calling myself out. I don't think I've done anything bad, but it's something, and I've talked to ministers that have been my mentors that they struggle with this because the devil does not want a church to pray. Little is much where God is involved. What happens? I've seen it and I've heard the stories of when a little church prays what God can do. We're going to hit that, and we're going to hit it hard. Maybe you need to recommit on your prayer life. But are you seeking life? I love Deuteronomy 30.19. I learned it. Today I've given you a choice between life and death, between blessing and, uh, and cursing. Oh, that you choose life that you and your descendants might live. Hosey Blue, one of my mentors, I remember he came to the church that we were in and was doing revival. And he said to the older people and the younger, it doesn't matter what age they are, he said, choose your grief. Is that going to hurt to go out of my comfort zone so that lost person can have life? You need to choose your grief. Because, guys, we're in a society now, and the more I listen to stuff you know, from theologians about the fact that we are going to hit persecution hard if we stand for truth and life. I did not say politically. I did not say a political party. I'm saying God's word. We are going to get persecuted. And so many of us want to say, I'm staying away from those dead things. I was going to say, it sucks to be you. I shouldn't say that, but I don't care. But we're saying that. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want somebody mad at me, but you know what? I'm over that. Why are we still here? 
We need to choose to, to seek life in all things and to seek life that's in Christ. We stand to our feet and have a time of invitation. Ask God to search you. Search me, O oh God, Psalm tells us, and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me along the way everlasting. Let God come into your life, which uh, as a Christian, He's there. The Holy Spirit's there. So ask the Holy Spirit, show me the dead things. Not things that I need to be dead to, but show me the dead things that I'm holding on to. Surrender them to God and seek life in Christ every day. Lord, we, Holy Spirit, we know that you're here today. I pray that we're obedient to what you're telling us. I pray if there's someone that doesn't know you that they'll be like the widow. I've heard the witness of God. I have seen the truth of God. I am coming to life. And I pray for my believers and my brothers and sisters, dear Lord, that you show them the areas. And I just pray, dear Lord, that they will surrender, they will confess, and they will forsake. Move however you will today. In your name, Jesus. Amen.